Hello, and welcome to episode 85 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Anna Selheim, zine creator, and who's created zines including Everything is Fine and This Isn't About, this isn't about You. Anna, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Why don't you lead us off with a little bit about yourself and, and the art that you make? Uh, hi, I am uh, Anna Selheim. I do short form comics, mostly anywhere from, I think the longest full narrative I've ever done is 16 pages, and they range from fiction to nonfiction, but they're primarily about po politics and mental health. Very, yeah, um, you do a lot of, uh, would you consider them uh, slice of life or, or auto, sort of semi-autobiographical? So, yeah, with the autobio, I do autobio and I do slice of life fiction. Um, I'm not really good at things like fantasy. I've done, yeah, I've never done a sci-fi story like you, who does primarily sci-fi stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my stuff is generally just like about conversations. My work tends to be super text heavy. So, because it's just people talking all the time. Yeah, and so you primarily refer to your work as a zine. Can do you know? Is there a sort of a thought of what makes a zine different than than a comic? So I think zines just tend to be more handmade um, okay. or indie. You know, a floppy for a standard comic is pretty uniform, but a zine can either be like stapled by hand. It can vary in size that kind of thing. So when I say zine, it's usually that I'm just doing a more indie, uh, personalized book. So is it sort of, would you agree that it's sort of like a punk rock DIY sort of like, uh, yeah, it's definitely, it? yeah, it's definitely a DIY punk thing. I'm not a punk, but I have like, God knows all my friends are that do this kind of thing. Um, if you go to like DC Zine Fest or SPX or any of the really like small press independent shows, and I'm not talking independent like image, I'm talking actual small independent shows like with Fanographics or uh, I'm trying to think of some other retrofit or like a bunch of, if I named a bunch of presses that you probably have never heard of. Um, it's interesting how comics are, you know, it seems like it's such a niche thing but there's still like an entire solar system within it mm -hmm. so it's really interesting when i go to say baltimore comic-con and there is an a, a talk i go see a panel of editors for the big two and they're talking they're opining about the days when they had so much more control but they're also talking about you know small press being like image or dark horse which is just insane because most people that are talking like really indie in say small press expo or DC zine fest are they're self publishing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that if you're not in comics, you may not be aware that they're, they're like, it's not like actual pros where self publishing has a stigma of low quality. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. because, so much of comics history is rooted in like the DIY self-published, like the first Superman, the reason they came up with that is because they were really part of like a science fiction, like community that had just been, that like started in the early 20th century, you know? So because we have those roots, 
the self-publishing thing isn't as much of a stigma. Yeah, and so we, we know each other, and uh, you seem to have been a bit of a like a lifelong doodler. When was the the first time that you you knew that you wanted to to make zines? So I would guess, you know, I started really getting into com. I always read comic strips and stuff, but I really started getting into comic strips or like into comics when I got into manga. I found a graphic novel called Ranma Half. It's a long series, like over 30 volumes, because that's what they do in Japan. They just mm -hmm. go on forever. And um, I realized that I wanted to make stuff like that, but I wasn't able to come up with stories. I was able to come up with characters, but you know, creating plots and narratives in my head, I, w I wasn't ever going to put them down onto paper until I got comfortable with them. And I really, I found Square City Comics in DC, which is uh, my, I'm one of the organizers uh, for this comic collective and they got me more serious about comics. And uh, I realized that I did want to make like zines or a book or whatever. It just so happens that my work tends to be short form. So zines tend to be, you know, more fitting that. And honestly, my attention span has gotten so low that I have a hard time reading graphic novels now. Okay. Uh, I can do like strips and I can do zines, no problem, but like give me a book and it's gonna get me, it's gonna take me a while to get to it. And um, yeah, so I would say around 2012, 2013 was when I really decided like I wanna make comics for real. So you hadn't had anything like done other than like doodles and like uh, make a zine until you had gone to Square City? Well, I had these things called I Call Scribble Comics okay. um, that were just like jokes between me and my friends. And I actually sent some of them to, uh, there's one guy named Chris Ware, who I don't know if that'll register you at all, for you at all. Yeah. But Jeffrey Brown was an indie cartoonist who actually now is known for like, doing all these Star Wars things for kids, but all of his comics back in the day were just like him being a mopey little like brat that like was in all these relationships with women that were unavailable. And, but I loved them at the time. And so I sent him all my stuff and I sent Chris Ware all my stuff. And they were like, hey, like you should go to Small Press Expo, but also like these aren't good enough to do anything with. Like they were very nice. Mm -hmm. But actually, and it's funny because Chris Ware... I think I sent it, so I probably sent that around like 2010, 2011. Chris Ware didn't get back to me until 2016. Oh, wow. Like he had just lost the package. And, and like at that point I was at the Center for Cartoon Studies. And so I was, it, was, it was just unreal to get this, like, he was like, hey, sorry it took, you know, five, six years. <laughs> but yeah, so I actually really wasn't doing comics until I got into Square City, yeah. Very cool. So you mentioned the the Center for Cartoon Studies. Uh, what was what was that like when you went there? Um, the Center for Cartoon Studies is a really wonderful program. Depending on what you're trying to do, for someone like me that's more interested in independent comics, it's the perfect fit. If you're trying to do mainstream stuff, you probably want to go to somewhere like the Kubrick School. Mm -hmm. Or um, yeah, it's interesting. I can't think of. I guess uh, SVA would also have, I can't think of a lot of programs where they're really trying to make you more of a mainstream artist, you know? 
Um, but there's a bunch of little like teeny schools around the country that are for Gainesville, Florida. But um, it's this town in, it's the poorest town in Vermont. It's right near Dartmouth um, in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are, there's 20 kids in your class. So there's two classes. So at most you're getting like 40 students, but any really it ranges anywhere from 25 to 40, you know, like it's, it's incredibly small school. Um, there is a pretty set curriculum, but they're also shooting from their hip a lot. You know, okay. the school, be, like the school started out as, you know, completely improvised because they were the first of their kind. So they kind of got away with just like throwing things at the wall and seeing what stuck. But now, you know, uh, so Alec Longstreth was our business practices teacher and he left. And so the next year they hired like some dude from like San Francisco that does like graphic cartooning for tech companies or something. And I had James Sturm who is the president and a terrible teacher, but you know, um, you know, he's kind of a big ideas guy and people were just furious at the, the classes because they weren't learning anything really, but instead of like, Oh, Hey, this is like an experiment, you know? Cause like it was so cheap back in the day. It's about $20,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unaccredited. So, but at the same time, so it is, I have an MFA. The program is exactly the same for if you're doing a MFA versus just uh, a, I don't actually know, like a degree course. The only difference is whether or not you have an undergrad. Okay. So like Tilly Walden came straight from high school, but she just has like a two-year degree versus me that went to undergrad. So I have an MFA. Um, the first year you take, the core class is uh, essentially like a comics workshop. It's taught by Jason Lutz, who uh, is best known for his work, Berlin. Uh, he finally finished that after like, two decades because he took about 10 years off to like raise his children um but the second year is more of a thesis where you get to choose an advisor or you know you get options you you are given you suggest three people as an advisor if one of them agrees then you get that person otherwise you have to go through various rounds until you get an advisor and then you it's really self-directed like you decide what you want to do as your project um, you get as much input from them as you and your advisor come up, like decide on, you know, there's some people that like didn't gel with their advisors at all. So they stopped talking to them completely. Me and my advisor, Ariel Bordeaux would talk about, we talk once a week until I broke my drawing hand. And then I had to take like eight weeks off from drawing. But, um, um, but, and then, you know, that kind of spiraled into like a whole other thing. But, uh, they at the end of the thesis year, they look at your body of work and they only account for finished pages. And it drives people crazy because there's no like, there's no standard for how much you have to do in order to pass. It's they're looking at your body of work specifically okay. to, and decide whether or not you pass the program. And then if you don't pass the program, you get an additional year to finish your thesis so that you can pass. Wow. So it seems like you were um, 
you were left to your own devices, which probably um, weeded out those people that really wanted to work and those people that were, uh, you know, easily distracted and uh, not uh, not finishing their thesis. Was was that the case? Yeah. So that yes. So the first year is very structured. For example, one of our assignments is do a six-page Aesop fable. It can be a six-page comic of an Aesop fable. It can be a literal adaptation or it can be, you know, based on it in whatever way you want. I did a comic called Sisters that was based on, you know, brother and sister uh, Aesop fable, but it had killer mermaids in it. Um, And it's got to be three-tier. So you're getting assignments like that pretty like for the entire first year. And then you're also learning a tech class, um, which was what I had trouble with. I'm totally uh, a Luddite. Like, you know, I'm I'm 32, but I didn't get on the internet until like 2006. Like I hate computers. And um, I, uh, so yeah, they, that's, it's really structured the first year. And the second year is actually, intentionally really loose because they want you to have the growing pains of figuring out how to build momentum within your own practice, which is why the first year is a lot of students like really like one of the best years of their life. And the second year is one of their worst. I've never been a more toxic person than when I was, uh, the, se- the second semester of my second year at CCS. It's still the best thing I ever did for myself, but I just, I was radiating negativity everywhere. Um, part of that was because, a big part of that was because I had broken my drawing hand. So there were eight weeks where I think I pencil, I think I uh, made 15 pages and I'm a very quick uh I'm very quick as an artist. So that was like devastating how slow I was going. Um, But yeah, so I think it was that. I think it's a fact that you're really only hanging out with the same group of people for two years straight. The gossip like train is insane at CCS. And um, yeah, it was just, it was really, that was really tough, but you know, it's overall a very positive experience. You know, I'm, comics have given me a real voice on how to express myself. It's like built pretty much all of, almost all of my new friends are somewhat based in comics. Um, I went from having zero friends before Square City that knew anything about comics to pretty much all of my friends now are other cartoonists or people interested in comics. And, um, and like my, I'm, I met my boyfriend through Square City. Like, it, I've really built a community through myself with comics. And the way I was able to like get to a place where I was comfortable with what I was making was going to CCS. Very cool. So, um, one last question about uh, CCS. Do you think that that second year is trying to prepare people for a possible sort of like freelance lifestyle where you? Um, you know, you, you're, you're on your own, um, you know, motivating yourself to, 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 to hit deadlines and, and stuff like that. That's totally what it is. They okay. are, they are completely giving you a lack of structure. So you have like a few classes in the first semester, um, business practice, 
excuse me, business practices is one, which we talked about, which is essentially when I took it, the reason I am so grateful that I took it with Alec is because we had one long-term project at the end and that you got to choose whatever you wanted. And so I was like, I have to build a website because I would have, I would have, if I hadn't been in class, I would have avoided that forever. And I have like a top notch, really good website now because I had like a month to like really delve deep and find, you know, the right Squarespace and write everything up and get feedback. Um, and then it would also do things like we'd look at contracts. We would uh, talk about like various things about freelancing. And then the second semester, so you have business practices, you have uh, guest artist lectures that happens both years. And that happens throughout, uh, that happens both years and it's mandatory and it's for both semesters of the second year. Um, but yeah, at the end of the second year, you've got that and then you've got, um, a class that is essentially talking about the presentation of what your thesis will be. So you are uh, judged for the way your book is made, the way your book is presented as well. If it's not presented well, you can still fail, even if you have, you know, very good work. For example, Lucy Nisley, her thesis was published later uh, God, what is the name of that book? It's something like French Milk. I, I don't know. I hate her work. But anyway, but like she, she was, she's published, um, but she failed when she got to, when she actually submitted it to CCS because she just brought it in like a manila envelope. And they were like, oh, this wow. is completely, yeah, it's like, this is completely unacceptable. Um, but so you have those two classes, but for the most part, you're just on your own trying to figure out how to structure, um, yeah, you're just figuring out how to make yourself work in a, uh, just keeping momentum with that. And so that's what the second year is all about. It's definitely learning the growing pains of figuring out how to make your creative practice a routine. I, I lied. I have I have one more question and then we'll, we'll, <laughs> cool. turn, we'll turn, to your, turn to your work. Um, it's it's no actually... Problem. It may be more of like a maybe a comparison more than a question, but I uh, I listen to a lot of uh, cartoonist illustrator interviews and a lot of people who have gone to SCAD, their complaint oh, yeah. is is that there is no there's no business side of it. Um, so yeah. I think that's interesting that uh, that you got you got that at CCS. So um, yeah, the like, thing. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, so the thing is, is that's the entire reason I did the second year. It's because I wanted a professional practices class, which is why I think people were so pissed when, I don't know, you know, it's been a few years since I graduated. I only heard about the class below me. There's like all these new students that are doing their own thing. I have no idea what this, the class has become, but, um, uh, but that was the reason I did the second year. I could do thesis on my own freaking time, you know, like, <laughs> I was never, I'm in a unique situation where I went to comics grad school, but I did it because I was given an opportunity to pursue my passion. You know, my father died, my mother gifted me the tuition and was like, you have one life, go study what you love. But like, I'm not going to be a full-time cartoonist. That's not my goal at all. But I wanted to learn about the professional practices course. So um, that was a reason I went to the second year and yes, it's really good. This is something I don't understand. I think this is a huge missing thing in 
pretty much all art school, they should be teaching art practices, like business practices all four years. They usually give you one semester, your senior year, and it's just insane. It's that, and they should be teaching you the best way to draw that it isn't detrimental to your body. So like, um, so like, uh, drawing from the elbow and the shoulder versus like the wrist, that kind of thing. Our school doesn't cover that kind of stuff at all. And most of the time, and it's just like, there's some very basic things that uh, these schools should be doing. And it's kind of, it's, it's kind of gross that they're not. Okay. So yeah, like I said, let's, uh, let's, let's focus in on, on your work. Um, what would you okay. say your, your biggest project is to date? Is it uh, the, uh, the everything's fine. I know there's three volumes of that, but is, is do I have that correct? Yeah. So everything's fine is my series of uplifting and relatable autobio gag strips about anxiety and depression. I a lot of my stuff is mental health focused uh, because I have dealt with anxiety and depression for pretty much my entire life, ever since elementary school. Anyway, um, so I would say that's my biggest published work to date. Um, I'm not planning on doing another Everything's Fine anytime soon. I am, you know, I'm right now I'm at an impasse of what I want to do for my future of comics. I've, I have a zine I'm working on right now. I've got a couple zines I'm working on. Um, I have all this work for a YA graphic novel that I kind of shelved for a while and then one of my friends told me to like pitch to their agent because I have all this work. Why not freaking do something with it? Um, and then I've got this web comic I have been threatening to do for, you know, like two years. And so that would be after the next couple zines and the YA pitch, that's going to be my long form thing for however long that lasts. I don't, but everything's fine. Um, has been my mainstay. It's definitely the most popular with my audience i wouldn't say i have a very small audience but they are really uh intense and loyal they're like they're really 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 into my work i get all sorts of wonderful feedback all the time from these people and yeah if you look at like my instagram is like 500 followers and you're like whatever but you know they're i think the i think they really relate to just me talking about all the things associated with some of my mental health issues and um, doing it in a way that's not overwrought. Uh, I think that, you know, there's a lot of really problematic discourse in not only on the internet, but in comics in general, when it comes to mental health stuff mm -hmm. um, and making it in, as opposed to doing like say an Instagram hashtag relatable comic where you show somebody doing something, you know, essentially detrimental to their mental health and therefore normalizing it in a really toxic way because they don't have, they're not giving context to these people that are reading it. So they're like, oh, if they go through it, I'm also going through it. I'm talking about me and my experiences mm -hmm. and they may not relate, they may not relate to everything I'm going through, but they something is resonating with them uh, with some of it. I definitely, they're intense. My comics are all intense. I, I call my comics, uh, in, my brand is like intense, but hopeful kind of mm -hmm. thing. So if you 
there are definitely people that have read some of my work, like because my zines are for short form and they straight up like people and they're super readable. So people just come to my table at a convention, read the entire thing and walk away um, and go like, this was really good. But there's definitely been some ones like Fractured, for example, which is about suicidal ideation um, that people have like looked at and then just walked away without saying anything. But at the same time, the amount of like teenagers that have reached out to me over that work specifically um, is remarkable. So yeah, it's very, it's definitely a taste, mm -hmm. but like my mental health stuff seems to be um, what my diehard fans are into and everything's fine as a part of that. Okay. So I think your answer there had uh, answered my, my next question, but I was going to ask you if anybody has ever sort of read one of these comics and gotten back to you and said, you know, this, this really, uh, this really helped me, you know, either process some feelings or, or get through some feelings. Have you, have you ever gotten any feedback like that? Uh, yeah. And I also have like little Tumblr teens that are like asking for advice. There was a girl that, read my comic and was telling me you know that she was start she had taken a new medication and was just thinking about suicide and um didn't really know what to do about it because essentially it was a side effect of her medication it wasn't like a she was on meds for being depressed but one mm -hmm. of the side effects of medication was like well i might as well do it even though she's not intensely sad so she wasn't sure what was going on and I just made her go, I just told her to go tell her parents immediately, but like there's stuff like that, or you have like, you, yeah, you have people that um, really, a lot of women mostly, a lot of women and, um, and specifically young, like teenage girls tend to uh, reach out to me about my work and um, it's very, you know, it's always, it's always interesting when an adult man does it, not because of like, you know, I'm not like biased or anything. It's just, it's significantly rarer. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I get feedback all the time of people really appreciating that work versus like, you know, I'll do a, something that's more palatable, you know, for a larger audience would be my mainstream auto bio work about say politics or yeah, mostly politics stuff. And that'll definitely get a wider audience but they're okay. not as rabid and they're not as, they're not feeling the, they're not appreciating it as deeply as say my uh, mental health stuff. Okay. And I uh, also, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, and this probably goes back to something you talked about uh, a little while ago uh, about all the stuff that you're working on. Do you, do you sort of work on things uh, and bits and pieces or do you take one project from, from beginning to, to end? So this has been a growing pain in itself because I used to do from one end to the other. And then when I broke my hand, I realized I just could write like because I could type with one hand so I could write stories quicker that and I couldn't draw them because I, I could pencil things, but I couldn't ink them. Mm -hmm. So and then I started getting things like, you know, there'd be anthologies and they have deadlines or I'd start doing work for political websites and they would have deadlines. And so ideally I would do one thing from beginning to end, but 
you know, you just got to jump around if you're trying to make this work. I like my boyfriend, I don't do freelance, but my boyfriend calls me a gig cartoonist in mm -hmm. that if I see a project that interests me, I will, you know, apply for that, say an anthology or, you know, like Oni did a thing where they wanted to get people you know, information about how to register to vote. And so they had 50 cartoonists from every state. Oh no, it was 51, because 52, because they had cartoonists from every state, DC and uh, Puerto Rico okay. do a comic um, about their selective state. And then beneath it, they'd have all of the information on where to register and stuff. And, you know, I saw them doing like call outs for that. And I was like, oh, I got to I can do that in a heartbeat. So, you know, I worked with them on that, but say, you know, I've been approached about like doing like a zine about cryptids and I'm like, I don't know anything about like, there's Bigfoot. That's like all I know. So like, you know, I'm very selective with what public projects I do versus my own personal work. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yes. So I tend to, it depends on what's on my plate. Like Dirty Diamonds is kickstarting right now. Um, the, they're doing their final volume. Dirty Diamonds is a femme and female created uh, semi-autobiographical anthology series. It's been going on for like 10 years. This is their final volume. It's about death. I did a comic about, grief, about my mother grieving the loss of my father and how her grief was so much more detrimental uh, to me than actually my father's passing. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that's a four page, that's a four page comic. They gave us like an insane amount of time because, you know, there's like cartoonists that are actually like doing this as a living that are in that book. So they need a lot of time for a four page, but you can't go from one end to the other because you have to submit the pitch and then wait around for a while. And then you submit your thumbs and then you get feedback and then you have to wait around for a while. like you have to wait around through all the steps. And it's not like I'm not going to be working yeah. with those. So yeah, yeah I, unfortunately I think when you're, I think um, at least when you're in my situation. Um, yeah. Cause I guess if you're doing like a superhero book, you're just working on the superhero book, but I'm assuming you're like this too, Matt, which is like, you're submitting to a lot of anthologies and projects and like a deadline's a freaking deadline. And you got to prioritize stuff and shift things around. Like you're, you might want, I don't, do you, do you enjoy, like, what do you prefer? Uh, so I'm a little bit of working on everything uh, mm -hmm. in very bits and varying bits and pieces. Um, but it's definitely, there will be a shift if, um, you know, uh, a deadline is fast approaching sort of all of the all of the focus goes to that um and, mm -hmm. and and to get that done and to deliver on that but i i do do various i do do various things like uh just for example for today i did a little bit of brainstorming um i rewrote some stuff mm -hmm. um and I, what did I, you doodle what did i doodle yeah uh today i drew jubilee oh cool she's the best yeah, uh, and I didn't have to draw eyes. That was the best. Oh I just my gave her, god! I, I just gave her the big. I just gave her the big pink glasses, so I didn't have to draw eyes. Why so are that you was, doing this? So, um, but, uh, I'm sorry. 
no, no, no problem. Yeah, yeah, it's but no, I uh, a lot, and also I I experience the sort of like um, I, I you know I pitch and then it's sort of a mm. dead period waiting to hear back, and then you either That's get exactly the, right. you get the yay or the nay, and if you get the yay, mm. you sort of just hit the ground running and, and get moving. So um, yeah, I I agree with you there. It's it's it would be nice to just sort of take one thing from beginning to end, but uh, I think it's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, moving pieces and just sort of figuring out what needs to be done first. And I think that's just the life of anyone that's taking this seriously, you know, unless they're in a bubble and they just have the one project they're in a bubble of. But I think that if you're good and you're part of a community that you'll get called to do various things and then you're going to have to work in bits and pieces, especially if you're doing like a long form thing, because what are you going to do? Just work on the same thing for like years and years and years and not, I guess some people could do that. Personally, I, I, I just can't envision a like professional cartoonist being able to just work on one thing and one thing only unless it was super short. Right. Like I, but I don't know how the, I don't know how like mainstream pros work. Like, I don't know if like Bendis is only working on one title at a time, start to finish, or if he's got, you know, like his fingers and a bunch of different pies kind of thing. But all I know is like me and my friends are constantly doing little odd jobs in addition to our own work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, uh, I just to sort of tackle that Bendis question, I have heard interviews with Bendis. He has said that he's sometimes like six months ahead of time, like, mm -hmm. uh, in his writing, but, uh, Working at the big two, he's got to be careful because he could plan something six months in, in advance, oh, right, and then totally. and then somebody does something in, in in another related book, and then he's just sort of got to scrap that idea and uh, yeah. go back. So I, I don't even think those guys can sort of work, you know, beginning to end in, in a bubble. So uh, they, yeah, they probably I mean, they're part of a shared universe. I've always been, I've never met. I would love to meet somebody that is like the continuity editor of Marvel or DC. Cause just like having that amount of knowledge and keeping track of all that history is something that I would just love to pick that person's brain and be like, how do you keep track of this? Like there's been so many peaks and valleys in these universes and you got like 12 billion titles. But uh, yeah, that totally makes sense is because again, he's not working in a vacuum, right? Like if you're alone on a mountain and then you just put it on the internet, maybe, but actually I don't even think that's true because, you know, people aren't in that are asking me to be in projects. Aren't people I'm meeting in person. It's people that I'm, they see my work online and are interested, or I see opportunities online and are interested. How long does it take say, cause you're primarily a writer. I'm sure that's been rehashed and hashed a million times on here. But like, how long does it take you to like write, say, a six page story? You know, because it takes me, you know, depending on the page, if it's color, it probably takes me four hours. But if it's black and white, it probably takes maybe it takes three to four and then pay, color takes five to six. But um, like, how long does it take you to actually write out a story? Uh, so for like a six pager? Yeah. I could probably do that in three to four days. Okay. Um, I, I do, 
I do a lot of sort of uh, like, I'll do a pass where I just do like beats and I don't really mm-hmm. worry about the dialogue. And then right. I'll come back and I'll do the dialogue and then, or sort of like realize that I, I went awry in one area and, and, you know, either hint at some stuff at the beginning and stuff like that. So maybe like three to four pages. Um, I've been, that, conv- I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just like, and that's the thing too, is it probably takes more, it takes more time at least with writing because you don't want to do it in one go. You need to go back and look at it with fresh eyes over and over and over, which is something I only need with, I mean, people do say they need that with art. Personally, I don't. Um, but like, so, you know, it might take you three to four days, but like, yeah. So anyway, you were saying though. No, no. Like the thing that I rewrote today was something that I did uh, months and months ago. Um, mm-hmm. And I just sort of picked it up because uh, uh, the the deadline for submitting it is is approaching fast. And I wanted to sort of flush out the 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 first issue a little bit more so it was something that i hadn't touched in 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 a while so there's a little bit of going back and cleaning up old stuff so yeah no but i uh, i've been at cons with uh with my buddy noah and uh he and i do a lot of stuff and uh I, you know i think i was on a uh, on an elevator with somebody and they asked us and i was like oh we're the we're the writing and uh i'm the writing the writing and he's the 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 artist and i was like you know i write uh six zombies attack a guy that takes me 30 seconds but then it takes him a day and a half to draw all that so <laughs> that's I, I exactly have, right yeah. i have the easy i have the easy part there yeah that's the thing is i do a lot of uh i'm getting more and more involved in the fine art gallery scene around the dmv area and it's just hilarious how easy fine art pieces can be because i'm doing it might be a huge drawing but i'm doing one drawing versus nine on a page Mm-hmm. You know, like illustration is a freaking breeze. So even though I mean, to be fair, my art, I think, I think that my strength isn't necessarily my art. I think my art is kind of utilitarian for getting the story across. I think my cartooning, I, you know, which mean meaning like the way my art actually tells the story is where the strength is. But yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about your style because you have a, you have a style like when you represent yourself uh in your autobiographical sort of work it's sort of you sh- you don't really it's not like a highly detailed you know representation of you isn't it you sort of like with like a sweatshirt pulled up over you like well um, covering most of you yeah so the thing is is that it's not supposed to be me okay um well i mean it is me i don't know this this all started because like rob clo at the comics journal was like it represents her being cut off from society. And it's like, that's not true. And Tilly Walding calls it like a a sweatshirt monster. And then my boyfriend calls it a hoodie ninja. (laughs) But essentially what happened is I, the copiers, the printers were broken at CCS and I drew that avatar and the face is just my favorite pattern. I was really into patterns. I need to get back into more patterns, but this is before I really understood spot blacks, but um, yeah, I was getting, I was really getting into patterns and her face is my favorite pattern. And then I drew her and I was like, this is a cool looking thing. And then I drew her eating McDonald's and I was like, I like McDonald's. I guess this is me now. <laughs> and then I just did like the entire class. And yeah, the reason I draw her is because um, 
Well, it's twofold. One, she's the main reason is because drawing myself realistically is literally the most boring thing I can draw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a little bit better now that I'm fat. When I was, I because I've always loved drawing fat women, but um, when I was like, a, when I'm just, I'm still like boring. Like it's like I, I'm not that down for this. But um, the other reason is because. I did a piece for seven days, which is Vermont's uh, alternative newspaper and um, like weekly newspaper. Mm-hmm. And it had to be in color. And I hadn't really, I don't really know how to digitally color. I know how to do like paint bucket tool, but it's okay. not going to look very good. So I, I didn't know. I used to be, I got fine arts training in high school. I went to, I went to one of the. Can you hear that? Yeah. That's my dog going crazy upstairs. Sorry about that. Oh no, you're fine. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to pause or anything. Um, yeah. So, um, I went to, uh, one of the best magnet art schools in the country called Duke Ellington and a school for the arts in Washington, DC. And, um, I learned how to use a lot of material and I really got good at color pencil, but you know, I was, I made that avatar in like 2015. No, it might've been 2014. No, it was 2015. Yeah. 2015. And they wanted me to do a color, uh, comic for this paper. And that avatar is much easier to color than say, a human being and since then I've learned how to color human beings in that style like with my color pencil but the avatar that it's way simpler to draw like these crazy abstract people than you know realistic portrayals of people also I've gotten into trouble for what I think is an app you know a semi-accurate portrayal but people are dissatisfied with the way they look so if you make everybody like a crazy like geometric person nobody's getting offended yeah and i think one interesting thing and maybe this is me just sort of reading into it but it almost makes it like uh the every person like every it's easier for you to see yourself as as that character because it doesn't look um you know different than you it's 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 the representation that you could easily see yourself as is, am, am i seeing that correctly yeah um the thing is is that the style is very divisive um i have a lot of people that like it but then i have a lot of people i've had some publishers uh have a strong aversion to it i think because it's so striking but yeah i think i think making them the my characters more abstract in everything's fine um is uh has had that benefit even though it was like completely accidental um, my, the zine I'm working on right now is a collection of my dreams. And while I think it's like a fun zine, it's not necessarily the most, not necessarily, it absolutely is not the most compelling thing I've ever done, but really it's an excuse to play around with style because I feel like I just do with like my fiction and stuff. I just kind of do one style and I just wanted to play around with like different styles and materials and stuff. So, um, but everything's fine is definitely its own style. Like I did a zine about the cancellation of Tuca and Birdie 
and Chris wanted me to do it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, he wanted me to keep it because when I originally did it, I did it in like an hour. When I originally did it, it was in the everything's fine style. But when I made it for a zine, I was like, this can't be my avatar because it's not like that avatar is for that series, you know? Um, so like, yeah, I, I'm playing around with style a lot, but yeah, I, I have been told that the abstraction does like kind of remove my individuality and you can place yourself in there better. Yeah. I, uh, I think what's, what's interesting here is I think that a lot of times people, uh, you know, when they think of comics, they're going to think of Batman. They're going to think of, of, uh, you know, a superhero. And uh, a lot of times when I, when I talk to people and I'm trying to explain to them, I, I explain to them that, that comics is a, is a medium. It's, it's a way of telling stories. It's, it's not a genre. There's, there's genres within comics, but comics is a way to tell stories. So I think what you're doing here is, 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 is showing that as well, you know, um, for everybody who, who loves those Avengers movies and everybody who, who loves, you know, the, the shows that are on television, there's this whole other world of, of storytelling and, and a lot of the stuff that you're doing, um, you know, you're doing it through, through comics. So, uh, I think that's pretty powerful. Oh, well, thank you. That's very sweet. Have you had any, have you had a lot of people, I'm assuming most of your people are kind of aiming for the big two in the mainstream you know, indie audiences, have you had any like, what I call hipster snobby creators on? Because I do like hipster snobby comics, is what I, you know, categorize it as. Uh, so I, uh, there was an episode where I had Alex Schumacher on and he does a weekly, I think he does two weekly web comics. Uh, one is uh, Decades of Inexperience and it's sort of him telling, uh, telling the story of his life, sort of, you know, bending truths, making things more exciting. And then he's got <laughs> one that's a political cartoon that's uh, it's a, like a drunk monkey that's going around just sort of yelling at people and telling them why they're, what they think is, is wrong. So that is, is I'm sorry. This is a make, it's on Makey's, no, Makey's on a web comic. Sorry, it was reminding me of an indie comic. Keep going. No, no. So I think that that is probably the closest thing that I've had uh, to, to, to your work on here. Yeah, because I think, like, I think that makes sense considering, like, you know, I'm part of three collectives and mm -hmm. Square City is one of them. But, um, you know, and I think that has a diverse amount of, like, what people are trying to do. I think they're kind of, there's just, like, a lot of different backgrounds. But I feel like, I feel like the DMV uh indie comic creator group that you run um like i feel like most people are tr in that like big two mainstream mindset so obviously and yeah you know obviously that's like your interest so it totally makes sense i don't know why it's worked out that way that everyone that's come to that meetup is but yeah yeah um I mean, I like, I, I certainly do enjoy a good Batman comic and Batman, you know, punching a dude in the neck. But like, yep. even like, if you think about that last, that last meeting we had and the, the one guy brought the pages, like, yeah, those, those pages were awesome. Those are sort of like, uh, you know, um, you know, they, they, they were action adventures, but it was just, it was just for a lot of, lot of it it was just you know a man and a monster or two dudes just sort right, of yeah. slugging it out and there was a lot of like 
raw, you know, it was just brutal yeah. and raw and it was, it was really cool to see that. So yeah, those pages were awesome. Yeah. I was so. just thinking more of like the two new guys that came that like have their own superhero. But then again, I don't think anyone else actually does have a superhero in our group. Oh, well, okay. Anyway. Um, but yeah, like it's been interesting also because I think with the DMV group, for whatever reason, it's been more writer heavy. Mm -hmm. um, like Square City does have writers, but for the most part, they're complete creators. You actually do get a lot of artists that are like, I want to make comics, um, which I mean, was where I was for so long, even though I think if you look at my work, you wouldn't think that since, again, I think my art is like really just kind of utilitarian, but like, it's, it's just, it's interesting. I would, when we were talking to those new guys, I don't want to use anybody's name, but no, um, I hear you. yeah, yeah. But um, when they were talking about how they were promoting their work, because this is something I always wondered too, right? Is like, how do you promote your work as a comics writer? You know, like, what are you going to do? Show a script on Instagram? Like that doesn't seem very like compelling but the fact that they were hiring really good indie artists to do fan art to get people interested in their story, I think was really smart. So yeah. How do you actually promote your, cause I feel like I see your stuff for the podcast. Yeah. I see your daily drawings and I see when you're promoting a, like a book or anthology that you are a part of. Is there, is there anything for actual, like the creating of, do you have like whips of like your scripts or anything? Like how do you, how do you plug that you're working on new scripts and stuff? So um, I, you know, what I might do is I might like grab a panel of something that I'm working on and just be like, uh, you know, working on, you know, this project with this artist, uh, it's going well, um, you know, mm -hmm. more news coming soon. But also I do this thing on Twitter where um, I, every day I, um, I do a pitch for an existing character and I do, um, I, so I, I'll write like today I wrote uh, a Moon Knight pitch and this is my 800th oh, wow. pitch. This is my 800th pitch. Um, and then I'll be like, you know, I, uh, I wrote four pages today. That's 60, mm -hmm. 60 for the year. Um, 2000, cool. 2000 yeah. in total. Um, just so that like, you know, and I don't get a lot of engagement on those. Like sometimes yeah. like when I hit like a milestone, like 800 days in a row, somebody would be like, Oh, that's really cool. Um, uh, but my hope yeah. is that like, and I don't, I don't know if this will ever happen, but like if I was ever to be in a position where, um, somebody from the big two came and they were like, pitch me moon Knight, go. And I could just be like, I could be the guy that's like, Oh, you want a moon Knight pitch? I have, I have six of them already prepared for you. What was your moon Knight pitch? I feel like no one knows how to write for that freaking character. Okay. Well, copyright me. Um, <laughs> I, he has multiple personalities. I know. So I always wanted to play with the fact that like he got in a new relationship and his girlfriend was um, slipping him medication to combat those multiple personalities. And so mentally, he's in a good place uh, as Mark Spector, the person. Yeah. But 
as Moon Knight going out at night, he doesn't have that sort of um, edge to him. That's like you know, he's got things talking to him. Like this is this is going to get you. This is wrong. So like yeah, he he's not he's he's a better person day to day, but he's a he's not a good Moon Knight anymore without the uh without the 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 voices the multiple personalities so he actually goes back to he he finds out that he's being he's being drugged against his will and he he stops taking the drugs so that he can be a he can be a better or go back to being the the moon knight that that he was this is why like that's a very good pitch and the you know you can't have a content superhero but um this is why i think like if I met Batman or I met, if I met anybody that was like so put upon themselves to suffer in the, for the idea of the greater good at mm-hmm. their own, not only at their own expense, first of all, like Batman's a whole other thing. Cause like all he has to do is run an ethical company and he's doing way more than like punching a guy in the face. But that's a whole other tangent that I'm sure has been done 20 million times. But um, like, but I don't know. It just seems like, it seems like superheroes that are tragic, you know, like a Batman mm-hmm. or a Moon Knight, that kind of thing. I think they like they revel in their pain, and that has got to be so obnoxious to be around, you know. Like, um, let me. Uh, there was something I wanted to ask you as well. Oh goodness, I forgot. Um, so. Yeah, I don't get a lot of engagement. I hate Twitter. I hate all social media. I get like, social media is a devil. It's a necessary evil because it's mm-hmm. the way almost anybody finds my work, but it is horrific and it makes you feel bad. And uh, I am so much better mentally when I'm not on social media. But, you know, I took a month long break back in October and my numbers of my uh, levels of engagement still aren't where they were before. Um, I took that break because of the algorithms. Like Instagram is mad at me because I didn't post for a freaking month. So, um, but yeah, I just always wondered like how prose writers were able to do that. So it's always interesting talking to, not prose writers, excuse me, how like writers were able to, you know, have that level of engagement versus like drawing a pretty picture or whatever. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 a bit different i mean i i do do i do do my bad scribbles from from time to time so i'm I'm a little bit of uh I, you're doing I do, those all the you're doing those every day yeah uh are well, you ever gonna stop uh at this point i i am 17 days into the year i'm I'm committed for for at least uh 2020 so we'll we'll see oh, okay. okay yeah um no uh for me with social media uh, it took me the longest time to to get comfortable with Facebook, like Twitter, mm-hmm. like just sort of shooting out a, a quick message and being done with it. I, mm-hmm. I had no problem with like Facebook took me the longest time to just sort of like open up and like uh, make, you know, make a status or, or do mm-hmm. anything with it. So I, I, I forget been, that Facebook exists. I've been, I've been slow with that. So yeah. 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 But, awesome. So, uh, I think uh, that's probably to cover for the for the interview. I, I had a lot of fun talking um, and and listening to your story. And like I said earlier, I think what's important to to take from this is is that uh, comics is a way to to tell a story. 
um, and, and you're doing that um, with, with yours. And, and you know, uh, we, we heard that it's, it's been beneficial for, for some folks to, to, to read these stories. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun too. Awesome. So why don't you let people, I know that you just said you hated social media, but why don't you oh, let yeah, people, why don't you let people know where they, they can find you so that they can, they can check out some of your stuff. So I'm on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Anna Selheim, which I'm sure will be in the title of your show. Yeah. Um, and I will put my, it in. I'll put, a, I'll put all your links in the, in the show notes as well. Oh, well, thank you. And my website is AnnaSelheim.com. I am the only Anna Selheim on the internet for the first like eight pages. And then there's some um, Anna Selheim, I think with like one L that like died in like 1835. And oh, like, wow. so I, I have a very unique, uh, it's good for branding. It's bad if I end up getting a stalker or something, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find all my work there. My website has a lot of my comics in their entirety. I have a Patreon where you can get, it's done per project. It's not done monthly and you can subscribe. And then depending on the tier, you can have all of my comics mailed to your door for $15. And I make about five, six comics a year. So it may seem like a lot as a single pledge, but it's not costing you that much overall. And um, yeah, I, I think that would be everywhere you could check me out. Do you have any uh, conventions coming up in the in the near future? I know that sort of here on the east coast of the United States, it's sort of winter and the the con seasons died down. But uh, do you have any anything coming up uh, soon mm, or in the spring? Not yet. Um, who knows what's going on with B more, dude? But because um, like they're having shows, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. Just went to a leadership meeting with them, and that's a whole other thing. Um, but. You know, I have those shows pretty consistently. Um, I will definitely be applying to DC Zine Fest and all likelihood I'll be tabling at that. Square City, I'm trying to get off my duff and get us to have a convention as well. Mm -hmm. But the venue we want is just so unresponsive. And I really, I just need to reach out to other venues. Okay. But um, yeah, so for the time being, I don't have any, sh I don't have any shows coming up. All right. Well, yeah, like I said, where we are right now, it's not really the yeah. the season. I'm sure once spring and summer rolls around, there'll be, there'll be more opportunities. Um, well, yeah. thanks again uh, for being on. It was, uh, it was great to, to get a different perspective on, on, on comics uh, and a different perspective on, you know, the storytelling in comics. So I had a, I had a really good time talking to you uh, on this episode. Um, if anybody would like to give us a follow, we are on Twitter at Construct Comics, or I'm sorry, at Construct Com Pod. We are on Instagram at Constructing Comics Pod, Facebook Constructing Comics, YouTube Constructing Comics, and we'll be back with a, another episode very soon. Do you have Thank a YouTube? You.